Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the And welcome to another fine edition of Ghost Chronicles. Which one is this? Oh, Next Generation, right here on Tojinet Perex Ghost Channel, Beyond, and with your smartphone on TuneIn app. So, and on iTunes if you listen to the podcast. So, I don't know, it's everywhere. It's like a disease, I think. Anyways, uh, I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, the unbelievable, New England's own Van Helsink. And with me, not really today, I mean, usually when we do our live shows in the studio, she's with me, but she's with me in spirit, the blonde bombshell herself, and Kerrigan. Oh, for goodness sakes, just introduce me already. Wow. <laughs> That was the most long-winded introduction I think I've heard in a while. Oh, you should see that. Yeah, really. I mean, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years, the same <laughs> introduction. So, I mean... Uh, yeah. Mm, you got to yeah. spice it up. Okay. Uh, I don't know if it's spice it up. i got to do something with it. <laughs> <laughs> just fling more stuff out there? Is that what you're yeah, trying to just say? just throw some more crap out throw there. Throw some that more stuff it. out there. Well, uh, hi, everybody. <laughs> How are you all go. doing? There you go. There you go. There you go. Anyways, uh spent two hours at the health club. Then I had to come home and shovel the driveway. That's not cool. That didn't work out. No. Should have just no. gone and shoveled the driveway. No. See, I did, I did that last night instead of going to the gym. <laughs> oh, okay. Because yeah, okay. the, the body, bump, body pump kicked body my butt bump. so badly. Really? You have a body bump? Well, let's talk about the body bump. Body pump. Pump. Oh, oh. Okay, okay. I thought there was something Pump. you were going to announce. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going there. Okay. Anyways, yeah, so I came home and shoveled the driveway last night because there was no way I was going to go to spin class. That's it. Okay, not getting on the go. bike. So, so anyway, uh, we have a great show tonight. Well, we have a gentleman who I, I am totally intrigued about his life story. Uh, uh, it's almost too unusual to be true. And... Uh, uh, anyways, without further ado, why don't I introduce him? He is an uh, outstanding author, by the, and he's written the book uh, Soul Shift Where the Dead Go. Finding, Finding the Where the Dead Go. The dead go. There you go. Get That's the title right, go. please. Yes, I know. So any, without further ado, let me introduce to you Mark Island. Mark? Hello, Mark. Can you hear me? A little bit. Yep, we had a little bit of a clip there. That's all right. Yeah. Well, um, well, I won't rub in the fact that I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. It's 80 degrees here right now. No, no. <laughs> hey, you know what? Yeah, I was at the, the, the I was at the health club today, and we were talking about that. We the snow went out, and and we were complaining, saying, "Okay, we got snow," and you know. And I told the guy, I says, "You know." Go to Florida, you know. If you, you, this is New England. This is what we are. This is who we are. You know what? I'm true. proud to be New England. It is what it is. 
Right. Well, I've got some good friends up in that area. Two mediums I know that are well known. Um, Maureen Hancock lives there in Boston. Yep. yep. Oh yes, and, she lives uh, very also, close to me. Mm-hmm. And John Holland's up in that area too. He was here last weekend for a conference. Oh, you know John as well? Yeah, I know John real well. He's a good guy, and he's uh, yeah. he's really really gifted. Yeah, I've met him several several times. So I mean. I hear all these clicking. I don't know what that is. It's driving me nuts, but that's all right. Uh, is I, I have to ask. I mean, I, I read your bio and everything. And, and uh, do you consider yourself a medium? I guess that's the the really the the way to start. I so. I don't really categorize myself as such. I mean, if you if you'd read my book, which I should have sent to you, I could still can. Um, oh. Actually, I have a new book that just came out too. It's called Messages from the Afterlife. Oh, cool. A bereaved, okay. a bereaved father's journey in spirit visitation, psychic mediums, and synchronicity. Mm-hmm. But um, really, my dad was a prominent psychic medium back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. He counseled people like Mae West, who I got to meet when I was 19 years old. Oh, you mm-hmm. like Glenn Ford, Amanda Blake, wow. David Jansen. And I even have, I possess with my favorite artifact of my father, from my father, is a card it was a congratulatory card for him getting married to my mom in 1956, and it was from Mamie Eisenhower on behalf of her and president. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Nice. nice. So I, I grew up with this stuff, and it was normal to me. It was second nature. Dad always knew what was going to happen and what you were doing, and you couldn't get away with a lot. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, as I, as, when I became an adult, I kind of sought my own path, and I just went really the conventional route. I... Um, Went to college, got a degree, went into the business world, got married, had a couple kids. And um, while I always respected what my dad did, and it always gave me a great sense of comfort about knowing there was more and uh, extreme confidence in there being life after death, I didn't really try to be like him or go down that path. He always told me I was very psychic, but I just figured, well, that's because I'm his son and he's going to say that. Mm-hmm. But what drew me back to it was really that in 2004, my youngest son passed unexpectedly mm-hmm. during a hike. Um, and so, it, you know, it's probably the most tragic, tumultuous event a parent can go through is the loss of a child and right. it turns your world upside down. And, and that really steered me back into the field remembering the things that my dad did that I saw, and then seeking out kind of my own journey. And that is what culminated in the book Soul Shift. Um, Mm -hmm. Part of that was a personal exploration that included my attempts to connect with my son on my own, but also meeting with four top mediums from around the world, including Allison Dubois before she hit it big because of the show Medium. Oh, yeah. And and then um, Belinda Williamson in England, who she's pretty well known for having given... um, uh, a secret code to John Edward after his mother had died. And uh, oh. the, the deal with that was that um, apparently, you know, John and his mother had agreed on a secret phrase right. that if either of them died, the other would try and get through through another medium. Mm-hmm. And this was because he was aware of the Houdini code when Harry Houdini died, he tried mm-hmm. something similar. And so anyhow... Um, John Edward had already been to two mediums who were unsuccessful in this, and when he went to Linda, Linda was starting the reading, and she was telling him a few general things, and then all of a sudden she said, well, your mother shows me that she's the guiding light in your life. And he says, that's it. That's the secret code. She was a soap opera fan, and that was her favorite show. Oh, wow. Wow. Can I interrupt you for a minute? We we have, seems like a 
a clicking on your phone line. I don't know, but it's constant. Um, I'm sorry, it, I, I'm not hearing it here, but um, I'll try and hold extra still. It, or it, you no, it's, call me back again. I, I think we might do that. Is that a cell phone you're on? It is, but it's the only option I've got right now. But oh, okay, I, okay. Might, maybe you can get a better connection if you want to call me right back. Okay, what I'll do is I'll have them call you right back. But before you, you leave, I just wanted to mention one thing. Um, for, for years, I worked with a trans medium by the name of Maureen Wood, and we, we read a couple of yeah, read, Oh, that sounds good. Uh, we wrote a couple of books together, uh, and one thing we agreed on is co-words, so that when either one of us would pass, we would try to reach each other the sign. So I, I think that's a great idea. And, and when my mom, my mom passed recently, and, and when she was on her deathbed, and I, I went to, I actually brought a, 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 a pad and paper to, to do it, and, and then I just, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't make mm. that leap with her. Yeah. My mom passed last May, too, and I didn't attempt it with her, but I actually, in my second book, I did an experiment involving my sister, because my sister passed in 06, and I took it a step beyond the Houdini experiment and a step beyond what John Edward did with his mom, and I can explain that to you when you call me back, if you'd like. Okay, I think that's what we'll do, because yeah, that clicking uh, is a little bit annoying, but that's fine. <laughs> no problem. Okay, so we'll, we'll call you right back. Thank you. Okay. I mean, yeah, he really has an interesting story, and uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm dying to hear more. Does that sound terrible? <laughs> I, uh, I have to say, um, because I haven't read the book, and when I went uh, to read, you know, a review of the book, and you know, just to see what it was about, I jumped on Amazon. Right. Oh, absolutely. And when I started to read it, um, it kind of popped into my head. I thought, the way it's it's written, I thought, oh, uh, it's fictional. Um, and really? then I read some more, and I'm like, oh, no, it's not. It's, a, it's a, you know, a true story, but it kind of reads that way, the way it's written up. So I was kind of like, oh, wow, no, this is not fiction. This is, this is a real story. This is pretty, this is pretty intense. This is story, which is yeah. amazing. And speaking about Maki, he's back now. Maki, there? I am. Is that any better? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Yeah, we actually had people in the chat room uh, complaining about it. So I, I, I really hated to do that. I, I apologize. Oh, no problem uh, at all. I'd rather have a good connection for the rest of the uh, interview. Oh, you know, it's nice and, now. That's and, great. Anne was saying while you were away that when she first read the write up, and we apologize for not having the book and, and having the chance to read it, but I, the backstory, right. the backstory behind it is is absolutely amazing. And and Anne says it's it's so amazing. It's almost like fiction. You know, I mean. Do you feel that yourself that 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 you know how could this possibly you know happen and you, you know it's do it, you feel that way like your life is almost fiction because it, it, the, the strange twists and turns it took? I don't feel like it's fiction. I just feel like I've had two lives, kind of one before and one after, and the one before right. before my son passed, and the one after is everything that happened since right, then. Right, and I mm-hmm. honestly I feel like this is part of a, a bigger plan because I was supposed to do this work and get engaged and kind of take my dad's work forward after mm. he was gone and uh, to help people, you know. Mm. I think my first calling is really to help other bereaved parents uh, who have gone through the same thing because no one else can really relate to them. Right. And uh, right. I've actually even co-founded a, an organization called Helping Parents Heal, oh, God bless you. which uh, oh, has awesome. meetings where people can get together 
and have support from one another. Uh, but we're the only group of our type that actually allows for discussion of evidence for the afterlife. Most of the other oh. bigger ones really don't allow that. They just shut it down cold. And it oh, is wow. one of the key elements to the healing process is hope. And so oh, if you shut that hope off, it's hard for people to get better. Um, I would think so, that that would be a big piece of comfort for parents to to think about the afterlife and talk about that. I can't believe like other groups wouldn't do that. Well, I won't name them, but when the minute right. somebody starts talking about their signs or what happened or a meeting they saw... They're told to stop, and they're not allowed to go down that path. Well, we, okay. we embrace that, and that's really what we're all about. It's not mm-hmm. just that. It's about the friendship, the support, and everything. But people need to share, you know, and they have experiences. Yeah. And those experiences sometimes are very compelling, and they help other people when they hear them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I know that, you know, I, I had a near-death experience, and uh, Richard Felix from the U.K. was over here, and he was doing an event with me, and he was telling a story, and he was afraid of ghosts, which is amazing, because he was on Most Haunted, uh, the TV show for in the U.K. for like eight years or whatever, and uh, he knows that I wasn't, and they, they he asked me why, and I says, well, you know, maybe... Uh, because I had this near-death experience, I, I don't fear death anymore. And after the event was over, a woman came up to me and she says, were you really serious about what you said? And I said, absolutely, I don't lie. I, I really feel that I'm not afraid of death anymore. She said, I want to thank you so much because my husband just died a week ago. And so wow. it's, it's a, you know, we touch people in the littlest ways, by by just being truthful sometime. And, and, and like you, sharing your story is so important to people that, that are grieving and, and, and have other questions. Right. And, you know, in the past I've been more, I guess, guarded about what I would say or share with people and worried about what people would think. And now mm-hmm. I'm a lot less that way because it's kind of like you don't care. Life's too short, you know, and people have to know who you really are and what you think and why you think that. But I don't just say I believe something. I, you know, my my beliefs are founded in evidence and experience. Um, mm-hmm. So they're my personal truths. They're not just a dogmatic position I've accepted. So you said when when you kind of um, you know went off to college and went into the business world, you kind of didn't really follow that path anymore. Was there a reason that you just you didn't want to go that direction, just maybe because you've grown, you'd grown up with it. Um, I guess so. I think part of it was my dad. I always saw people hanging around him, you know, that were trying, that wanted something from him, and oh, yeah. I just wasn't my dad. We we're two different personalities, and mm-hmm. I didn't feel gifted really. Although I did have interesting psychic experiences from time to time, they were very sporadic. I never felt like it was something I could control or harness like my dad did to just provide these unbelievably specific messages kind of on demand. Mm-hmm. So we're just two different people. But um, right. as far as shelving it, you know, I always felt like I was spiritual inside, um, but I just didn't, you know, I guess focus on learning more about the whole subject matter. And it's not like I was a guy that went to church all the time or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so it was just kind of a... Also, I guess being my own person... Because we right. we don't want to be our parents, you know. We want to be our own individual personalities. We grow up and carve out our own successful path. And I did that in business. Mm-hmm. But, but at the end of the day, that's all good and fine. But I I recognize now it's really not the most important thing. 
Uh, there's a lot more important things than being successful in your career you know, and uh, touching people's lives and to, to personally grow is to me much more important than that. And um, so I just am a different person. I enjoy, uh, I take, I don't take things for granted as much. I um, appreciate my family much more, my friendships much more. And, um, I'd say I'm a happier person, as odd as that sounds. In many ways, I'm happier just because I appreciate the little things that much more, and I don't feel so uh, compelled and driven for achievement before where I was just uh, I was unrelenting on myself for what I expected. And right. um, so I, I think I'm more fulfilled and happy because of, those, of that different view of life. Oh, that's great. Definitely. So I mean, I, I have to ask the question: Is is now that you've you know you you've worked with some really you know I, I hate to say the word famous but well known uh, mediums, and has your father ever tried to contact you, or has he come through in any any of the times you've dealt with them? Oh yeah, many times, and in, in these medium sessions, definitely he's come through repeatedly. And if anyone reads the books, they want to go to my website; they can find out more. There's I've got. My appearance was on TV and a Discovery Channel appearance I was on. It's markirelandauthor.com. That's right. Mark with a K in Ireland, like the country and the word author. But oh, um, as an example, like in Soul Shift, my first meeting with Alison Dubois, who I'd never met before, and again, this is before she got famous from the show Medium. Um, right off the bat, she said to me, um, well, your father's here and he's showing me a book, and I believe it's your his book but he's handing it to you, and it's for you to take forward. Do you know what he means? And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> the reason I did was because just two weeks before that, the gentleman who knew my dad handed me a manuscript that I'd never seen before. I keep in mind that my dad had died 12 years earlier, and this wow. guy hands me this manuscript called Your Psychic Potential, A Guide to Psychic Development by Dr. Oh, wow. Ireland. Mm. I'd never seen this book. And I said, well, why are you giving this book to me now? And he says, I don't know. I just felt pushed to it, like I'm supposed to give this to you now. Mm-hmm. And here it is two weeks later. I meet with Alison Dubar for the first time, and she mentions this book that there's no way she could have known about. So <laughs> that was one of the you know, the early connections. Mm-hmm. But the first one was actually from my Uncle Robert, who has since passed but was still alive at the time my son died. And uh, my Uncle Robert had similar abilities to my dad. I'd say he was not quite as good as my dad, but he was about 80 90%. So today he'd be one of the very best in the world because he was phenomenal, too. But um, he said, Mark, can I do anything for you? And I said, well, if you can get any kind of message or anything about Brandon, I would really appreciate it. It was a couple days later that he called me. I was actually in the mortuary. And uh, he said, Mark, I wanted to let you know that, you know, last night I tried to connect. I just couldn't get anything at all. But this morning I was doing my morning meditation. Your dad came to me. And he looked just like himself, you know, just like he always did. And he has touched in with me before since he died, but it's been a long time. But he wanted to let you know that he was there to meet Brandon when Brandon died mm-hmm. to help him adjust. Brandon was a little confused at first, but he helped him adjust and cross over. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted you to know that Brandon wanted you to know that you're the best parent he ever could have had. What my, what my uncle gave me on the heels of that that was evidential and validating was he said, you're your dad said that Brandon's death was caused by a lack of oxygen uh, in his bloodstream that caused his heart to fail. Well, at the time Brandon died, we had no clue what was wrong. He had been hiking with friends on a mountain. Um, mm-hmm. He had 
exhibited, he told his one friend his heart was beating rapidly and his his arms were going kind of numb. Um, and he'd had minor asthma before, but nothing ever really serious. So we didn't know the cause of death. Well, two or three days after I talked to my uncle, I talked to the physician who conducted the autopsy, and she said that Brandon's death mm-hmm. was caused by a severe asthma attack that causes blood oxygen levels to dip to the point that his heart failed. Mm-hmm. So my uncle told me the same thing two to three days before the autopsy physician, and he said that mm-hmm. came from my dad. So those are two of the early contacts I had with my dad through mediums, but mm-hmm. I felt him touch in with me personally besides that. And even some of the writing I've done, I almost feel like it was almost like automatic writing. I didn't realize it at the time, but after comparing what I'd written with things that I found that I'd never seen before that he had written years earlier, there was an amazing overlap in some of the material. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, but, I mean, and do you, I mean, your uncle, your father had this ability. I mean, is there a... You think it's like you know a family connection there anyway, wh- whether they had passed or not. I mean, do you think you still had that connection even when they were alive? That that you were so well uh, bonded. Yeah, I, I would say. I mean, um, my parents split when I was young, so I didn't see mm-hmm. my dad all the time, but I always loved right. him, and and we always got along well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, as you know, on a side note, I do think a lot of the researchers of parapsychology have pretty well come to the conclusion that this stuff runs in families. Right. I mean, while my, my dad would say everybody has it, what I've seen is that people, everybody has it, but it goes in varying degrees, and some people have it more than others. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a sports analogy where you take, you know, the Michael Jordan-type basketball player who has the most latent ability but also has the best work ethic. You put those two things together, and they're unbelievable at what they do. Right. It's the same in the world of psychics and mediums. Some are naturally gifted, and some are not. Some people are not. They work really hard at it, and, and they're okay. Some people are naturally gifted, and they're probably better than the people who work at it hard and who have limited ability. But the people who have both are phenomenal. And I know mm-hmm. my dad was like that. He went through a lot of development work when he was young, like age 17, 18, and was mentored. And I think that accelerated his development, which was already, you know, he was already very, very gifted. But but I know that I have this in my family lineage, and I've seen cases of being able to do things, but I I still don't, I'm not really called at this time to try and develop that to a point where I'm doing readings for people or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's more sporadic. I have done some test sessions for friends just to see how it worked and really surprised myself, but I almost don't like doing it. I, I don't know, that's kind of strange to say, but maybe I'm just, I'm too worried about the results. And the way it works for me, I'm relying on such subtle thoughts that come into my mind and feelings that, you know, I'm such a pragmatist. (laughs) It's hard to do that and tell somebody when you get some subtle thought in your mind, like, well, here's what I've got. And then you Mm -hmm. find out that it's meaningful to them. So maybe in a few years I'll be there. But right now, I I almost enjoy being kind of on the sidelines a little bit and being able to observe and report and talk about what I've seen and witnessed having the credibility of being uh, an objective source on the matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know, what's it's interesting is, is when I, I first started doing this many, many years ago, and and uh, if, in case you don't know, I'm also a paranormal investigator as well. And um, I, I didn't even, when I first started, I, I didn't 
believe in a lot of it. I didn't certainly believe in psychics and mediums. I thought they were all charlatans. And then I met this uh, woman by the name of Maureen Wood, who was a trans medium, and then uh, she kind of changed me around. But working through this through the years, I now consider myself, I, I always consider myself a psychic as a brick before, but now I call myself a dumb psychic, in, meaning that in working with this, it, it, it does open you up to a lot of things. And um, certain information comes through, and I don't try it or anything. It just comes through, and I just, you know, whatever it is, Maureen taught me to just, whatever it is, just say it. And, and surprisingly, it's fairly accurate. But an interesting thing, though, is that when my mom was dying and, and I went to visit her and, and the thing, we stayed up late one night just talking in, in bed. She was, I was sitting on her bed, and, and we were just talking, and she told me about my grandfather in uh, Poland who was actually, uh, I guess the, the word she said was was strange, but it was like, uh, I guess he was a medium that when people in the village died, their loved ones would go to him to get messages. So, and, and you talked about the relationship of, you know, in the family. Well, maybe that's what happened to me too, that, that how I've gotten this thing. So, and, and even in science, uh, originally they think that the baby in, in the womb was more isolated than it is, but now they found this, it's more freer. And a lot of the uh, information, for instance, the, the genes and some of the stuff passed on from generation to generation through to uh, birth. So, I mean, it's, it's amazing. You, you, I think you hit it right on the nose that, yeah, it, it runs in the family, and you do, uh, you do acquire some of this knowledge. But I agree with you. I think a lot of most people have the ability, but there are better ones, and, and some, some can be better through uh, exercise and, and uh, development. And, and because we live in a materialistic society, too, most people don't really pay attention to anything that might be along those lines. They just think it's a coincidence or, or they're just imagining something. Mm-hmm. But occasionally they'll have this hunch and something you know, will steer them to do something differently than they would have done, and, and it turns out to be that they made a good decision. And then maybe that gets them to change um, and listen to that little voice inside or the feelings that they had a little bit more going forward. Mm-hmm. Well, and um, Mark, we're actually coming up to break right now. Can you go longer uh, while we uh, go to break? Sure. What's it, a couple of minutes? Yeah, it'll just be a couple of minutes. Uh, so, anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles um, Next Generation with Ann Carrigan and Ron Kolick right here on Tojanet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and Beyond. And our special guest is Mark Ireland, and we'll be right back after the following messages. So, stay tuned. Can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Parax Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he is a paranormal scientist. One well, mustache, I am required elsewhere on something called a K2, 
But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Anne and our special guest this evening, Mark Ireland. And Mark still here. <laughs> Mark's uh, website is markislandauthor.com, and we've actually posted that on our uh, Ghost Chronicles Next Generation uh, Facebook page as well. So you can, if you missed it, you can get it there. But uh, I'm sure if you put Mark Island there, you'll you'll come up. And you are the author of the book Soul Shift: Finding Where the Dead Go, which is an interesting title in itself. I, I, uh, how did you come up with that? It's kind of interesting, but the publisher, when we were trying to narrow down the title, he came up with something that I didn't like um, because it just didn't fit what I felt the book was about, and it was something like Ghost Souls, Finding the Dead. And mm -hmm. I didn't think that was what my book was really about. And so I, I actually went to, I went to meditate one night and kind of asking for guidance on what the title should be. And I didn't really get it, but I went to bed that night, and I woke up at 4 in the morning, and I just popped up, and I got Soul Journey. No, Soul Shift. That's it, Soul Shift. So mm -hmm. I then told him about that, and he respected it, and he said, okay, it'll be Soul Shift. He says, how about for the subtitle, is Finding Where the Dead Go workable for you? And I said, yeah, we can do that. Mm -hmm. And that's how it came to be. So your first, great title title. Was, your first title would have been fine for my books. <laughs> I thought you would have liked that. <laughs> 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 but but it was really about it was a, a dual meaning of the shifting of my soul from the person right. I used to be to who I am now, and mm -hmm. then the transition of my son into the mm. next realm. And I felt right. that was a more appropriate title. Uh, right. I mean, no no uh, one no one can understand the, the loss of a, a sibling. It's, it's uh, I mean a child. I mean it happened, it happened to my brother, and uh, it, it's just unimaginable to uh, mm -hmm. someone who doesn't go through it. So, you know, uh, I, I just amazed by your work in any ways. So, um, Mark, what have you got coming up and in, in what, what is the, the future of Mark Island? Well, I'm, you know, I tend to keep writing, uh, but I probably won't be posting anything more for a little while because my new book, Messages from the Afterlife, just came out in December and I'm promoting it right now. Okay. So I've been doing a lot of radio. I've had a few um, public speaking events. I'm going to be um, appearing at a, a conference in Scottsdale, Arizona, this coming weekend uh, called the Death and Dying Conference. It's sponsored mm -hmm. by the Arizona Holistic Chamber, 
And then the oh, following wow. week, I'm going to be in the San Francisco Bay Area in Palo Alto, California, speaking at an organization called Foundation for Mind's Being. And they're kind of mm-hmm. like ions, if you're familiar with um, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, which is also in Northern California. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to present for them um, on Friday night and then do a little workshop on Saturday. Um, and then I've got a few other little things kind of lined up, and I'm going on vacation not long after that. And then uh, in, I think it's June, I'm at a conference in Atlanta, Georgia, called Beyond the Veil. So oh, folks cool. can look yeah. at my events on my website. There's an events page there that will kind of tell them what I'm up to. So but, you're not um, doing the Burning Man one, huh? Pardon? You're not doing the Burning Man? That's in your neck no, of the woods. I, I'm not doing that one. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm still working a full-time job, too, so it's tough to fit it all in. Oh, but, uh, wow. You are really busy. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, so, but this is my passion, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. I thought that this is not a lucrative thing for me to do. It's not enough for me to live on. So mm-hmm. I do this, and you know, in a few years, maybe I'll get to the point where I can just focus on this full-time, which I'd love. But I mm-hmm. still I have a lot of friends that are mediums, and I um, read on the subject more and more. What I'd like to do next is get kind of compile a biography on my father, or at least a book about my experiences growing up with him, and give people a lot more information about him and his background because he's very intriguing. I keep it's like uh, almost every few weeks I get a story from somebody that finds me and emails me and tells me about their encounter with my father. Oh wow! Uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you what's really interesting. I was doing a public speaking event here in Scottsdale about, I think it was 2012, and this woman came up to me, and she actually had typewritten this to me, but she also explained the story to me. She says, you know, I saw your father first in 1963, and what my dad did, um, which was more common back then, was blindfold billet. But the, and I know there are people that do that and are, are kind of, they do it more as a trick or entertainment, but my father's method was irrefutable. What he would do is take, 10 strips of Johnson Johnson medical white tape, put it all over his eyes, mm-hmm. black blindfolds over his eyes, and then more tape. And then he would ask people to write messages and fold the papers and send them up. So this woman had told me that she did that. And so her question was, well, well she couldn't decide. She was trying to decide between two different questions. The first one that crossed her mind was, will I have a fourth child? And then the second question was, will I get my master's degree? So she decided to only write the question about the master's degree. So she wrote that, she sent it up to him, and near the end he answered and said, yes, you'll get your master's degree. And she goes, oh, that's great, you know, we'll see if it happens. Mm-hmm. Well, five years later she came back to see him again. And this time she wrote an entirely new question. And so when he got her paper, he said, um, Norma, Norma Poling, oh, I see you did have that fourth child. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> wow. So he answered a question that she'd never even even written, she'd only thought of it five years earlier. So wow. <laughs> these are the kind of stories I get, and they're just—they're uh, really a lot of fun, and they're pretty fascinating. That is incredible. Now, I wanted to ask you about your dad's book, Your Psychic Potential. When you got that manuscript, I mean, was it a complete manuscript all ready to go? Yes, fully it's... edited with a bibliography, wow. <laughs> all the footnotes, everything. Oh, wow. It was complete and ready to go. And one wow. of the things that crossed my mind is like, well, you know, why didn't you publish this? Because he finished right. it in 1973, but when you read it, it reads like it was just written. Right. And what came to me in my heart was, well, it's not time. The world wasn't ready for it yet. And ironically, just 
just before publication, there's another medium I know, Deborah Martin, in uh, in Arizona, and she's she's done a lot of work um, down at the University of Arizona when it was run by Schwartz, uh, the Human Energy Systems Lab, and since then the Winbridge Institute, run by Dr. Julie Beichel, and what she does basically is test mediums under controlled conditions, and so Debbie's been certified by her as having results far beyond chance and so on. Oh, but cool. anyhow. I know Debbie's totally legit because I've I've seen her work um, that's just been mind blowing. But anyhow, back to my dad's book. Debbie called mm-hmm. me one day and she wanted to talk to me. She goes, "I feel like your dad's trying to impart to me some things about the book that's very important, and that it's a sacred book. And you know, there's things you need to put in like the preface so that people will understand what it's about and who it's for." And I was already thinking that way, um, mm-hmm. and was writing the preface that way. But then, um, mirroring what I just told you, that my feeling was, she goes, and, you know, I asked your dad why he didn't publish a book back then. And he told me that it's because the world wasn't ready for it. It's, the time is now for it. Uh-huh. This is exactly the same thing I'd already felt. So uh-huh. that kind of gave me some confidence to trust my gut a little bit more, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And it's amazing, I think, that given the the, the time period you know, that he grew up in, the era that he grew up in, and um, that he was mentored in this, and that... He was was mentored because he happened to stumble into a spiritualist church. That was about the only place you could go back then Uh where people would be open to it. His father actually didn't, you know, he didn't appreciate my dad having this gift, which Mm -hmm. manifested as early as age three to five. Um, Mm -hmm. My grandfather was embarrassed by it, and you know, according to my dad, he was beaten. Now, I think that probably means spanked pretty severely at times. But my dad, it just made him rebel more because he was angry because he wasn't appreciated. He was he was frustrated by his father's reaction to it. But his father mm-hmm. just didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And ironically, what one of the, my favorite things that's in my new book, and I put it in the very back, was a letter that I have in my possession that my dad hand-wrote to his dad when his dad, my grandfather, was on his deathbed dying of cancer in 1962. Mm-hmm. And my dad at the time was probably only 29 or 30 years old. Oh, and wow. I knew that they had a bad relationship, but you'd never tell from this letter because it was a very loving letter. And the whole thing was basically to tell my grandfather not to be fearful of dying, how the process would go, and that my dad had, you know, he has his own personal evidence that we go on because he's met the people who have crossed over and he, he knows what it's like. He explained to them, to the, my grandfather, that he would be greeted by loved ones and by name and all this. So it, it was just a remarkable letter um, and mm-hmm. makes me cry every time I read the thing. Oh, I can imagine. That is, I just, I just think it's incredible, you know, that he was able to develop it and be so successful with it and, uh, you know, because it wasn't really accepted so much back then. Um, now, was there someone else in your family before your father? I mean, is there, you know? Well, my, any... my grandmother, his mother, actually became a medium after him. She had oh. the ability, but it never really worked to develop it. He, he dragged her and my uncle into that spiritualist church when he was like thir- 12 or 13 years old, and my uncle would have been probably 11. <laughs> there that my my grandmother was introduced to the you know the ideas of psychic phenomena mediumship trance mediumship, and my father was a trance medium too you know that's just oh, wow. not something he was out in the public with a lot but 
he really started as a, as a minister himself, first in the spiritualist church, but then he his view of the world was wider than just the narrow, you know, any single um, denomination could provide. So he created his own church, which he called the University of Life, and it was an all-encompassing, uh, non-denominational, non-sectarian church. And um, mm-hmm. so that's, you know, that was really his platform early on, and then he went into the secular world because he felt like that there were a lot of folks that would never set foot in the church, but he wanted to reach them, too, just to get them thinking, like, wow, maybe there is something to this, and maybe I'm more than just a body and a brain, and maybe my feelings and thoughts and consciousness are not just generated by my brain. And he was successful at doing that with a lot of folks. Mm. Wow. That that's that's awesome. That is really awesome. Now in your in your new book, The Messages from the Afterlife, can you tell us a little bit about that? What's happening? Yeah, the first there? book Soul Shift is more of a memoir. It does include a lot of you know, information to really validate the phenomena in my experiences. Um, but the second book, it's more designed to be an educational book. It still has the memoir-type feel to it, um, the first-person narrative, um, the personal stories, the anecdotal evidence. But mm-hmm. in addition, I've got some chapters that I, I guess you could call scholarly chapters. One of those uh-huh. is on the subject of psychic phenomena, mediumship, and religion, because there are a lot of people that have hang-ups about this, and say, hey, that's bad, stay away from that stuff. So I really explore that from a variety of religious perspectives, but mostly around the Christian perspective, because we live in a country that is predominantly a Christian country. Mm-hmm. And so I really kind of expose that and say, you know, I, my conclusion there is that a lot of folks are brought up to, to think, oh, don't dabble in that, or that's not good or right. But I, I disagree, and I, I give the scriptural passages and the reasoning behind that. I think that's really more of a traditional view that's evolved, that's more focused or been based in control issues than anything else. And some Old Testament re- references um, in books that say mediumship is bad and mediums should be stoned, but those are in the same chapters like Leviticus that say, you know, um, slavery is okay. So <laughs> I, I'm just saying, you know, if, you're, if you have to look at that a little bit differently, and also, uh, you know, in, in question, you know, is that really God's Word? to say something like that, or is that maybe more the teachings of the leaders of that day? And look at Leviticus as not being the same thing as some of the other books in the New Testament, like right. where, mm-hmm. like the story of the Transfiguration, where Jesus is seen talking to dead people, Moses and Elijah, right. which is, that's what mediumship is, okay? And, and, and so, Corinthian, in Corinthian they, they, it says God gave uh, the power of some to read uh, you know, to see spirit and all, the whole list of things, actually. Yeah, that's in First Corinthians. Uh, yep. Paul talks Corinthians about one. the gifts of the spirit, right? And, mm-hmm. and those are listed there. So you have contradictory information, and it's just mm-hmm. you know. So I just kind of share the, that so that people have, that might have that hang up can look at it from the other side. I've got another chapter on the skeptics that aren't really true skeptics and open minded, but rather are pseudo skeptics. The type they're really just debunkers. And they're not yeah. open to the evidence. So I'm not trying to fight them, but I'm just trying to give the average person the ammunition and understanding to know how to see beyond their arguments that are, are often telling a half-truth um, mm-hmm. to try and convince people this is all fraud and all a game. Mm-hmm. I have another mm-hmm. chapter on, on my experiment that I conducted with my sister that I had mentioned earlier. Um, and then I have a chapter on kind of how people view the world based on their limited senses 
and why they shouldn't restrict themselves to looking at things just that way. And when they take those blinders off, I find that they are more open to considering the evidence of these phenomena being real. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I was going to say I have a question from the chat room. Is that what you were going? Oh, okay. Go ahead. Um, I have a question from the Toginet chat room from Ghost Girl, and she wonders: uh, Did your mother ever come through? You know, my mom just passed in May, um, and she ha- actually she did. Um, I'd say the most recent, I have had a couple mediums give me messages from her, and I actually had a dream with her, a vivid dream, just two nights ago. That's the first dream visit I've had with her. Uh-huh. And in that, her her face looked old like she did at the time of her passing, but I looked at her eyes, and her eyes were, those were her eyes, and they're very loving eyes. And she just said, you know, I missed you, Mark. Um, mm. But but the, the medium contact was from... Um, a medium named Molly Morningstar, and that's a real name, believe it or not. Her parents gave her that because they were hippies. Uh, <laughs> she, she's out of Milwaukee, and she's very good. But she um, she was here doing an event, and she was visiting with my wife and I, and she said, I'm just going to give you this, you know. And she just went to my mom, and she said, your mom's showing me, and I don't understand why she's showing me this, but she's floating in a pool. I just started laughing because when we were kids, my mom and my two aunts, well, they were a little overweight, you know. So they were somewhat buoyant, and they would float in the pool. <laughs> and that, they'd do that for hours in the summertime. And as a kid, I I was skinny as a rail. I just sank to the bottom. I couldn't understand how they could do that. <laughs> they were poor, somewhat buoyant. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that is so cute. Oh, my God. That's, that's a, great. I also have another question from the uh, uh, Parax chat room. And basically, whoops, I just lost it. Um, here it is. So, uh, heredity or not, uh, do you think that having the support that you had has will help develop your ability, like your father's develop it, uh, ability as well? Well, absolutely. If I choose to develop to a greater degree, the first step is believing it's real and it, it can be done. And so I definitely have that going for me. Um, and I have an example to follow. And I know so doggone many of these psychics and mediums, too, some have sought to mentor me. Some have made me actually sit down. Tina Powers in Tucson, who actually gave me the best reading I've ever had, which is documented in my new book, she forced me to sit down and do some practice readings with her. She said, your dad says you're going to be doing this, so, you know, and I'm supposed to work with you. So we did that, and, it, you know, it really worked pretty well. It's just i got to be at a place where I'm ready to try and tackle that. Right. I don't know that I have enough space and time in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh-huh. that's the thing. It, 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 it's so funny because I'm kind of like you that in a way, and that like uh, when I, I did the radio show for years with Maureen, who, and we do readings over the year, and I and I, you know, I I always if I'm gonna criticizing or or or, or, or anything, I, I've got to learn it. I got to understand it. So you know, it's like Ricky. I thought Ricky was baloney, so when I I went and, and I took lessons in Reiki and, and, you know, I'm a level two Reiki master, oh, yeah, whatever it is, whatever. But uh, <laughs> anyways, so doing readings, I can do readings over the year really easy, but if I, like you, sit down with someone, uh, I feel uneasy about it. Uh, and that, and I, so I can totally relate to, to you on that. But, I, you know, I, I guess that's something you just have to get over with. 
I think so. And it comes down to being dedicated to say, hey, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to focus on it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'll just do the best that I can and yeah, go from there. But uh, I've surprised myself with some of the stuff I've been able to come through with. Um, but it's just so subtle. It's like this friend of mine, I know her son had passed, and I asked her if she wanted to be a guinea pig, and she said yes. <laughs> and, like, a couple things that I got for her, like, I just saw she has a son to pass but a living daughter. So I saw the daughter's face in my mind. I said, mm-hmm. well, I see your daughter's face, so I figure whatever's next is about her. And then I saw it looked like a purse or a pack. And I said, well, then I see a purse or a pack, so it must be something to do with your daughter and this purse or pack. She says, oh, I was just talking to her today, and she found this purse that she fell in love with and ordered it on the Internet. <laughs> so that was wow. odd. Then, then I saw something to do with exhaust headers on a race car. So I said, I'm a race fan, uh, so I know this means a race car. So it's something to do with a race car. And I thought, that can't have anything to do with her. And she goes, actually... They had a friend um, named Phil Buffington, who was a race car driver, unbeknownst to me, who had invited them to come see him race on a Sunday, but he'd crashed his car on the Saturday before. And I gave her something else, and and he said that he had this like miraculous escape from the car that he felt almost like somebody had come in and pulled him out. Uh And so maybe that was the sun in some way. I don't know. But the last thing that I almost didn't even tell her, I said, this is so silly, it's kind of a fleeting thought in my mind, but I saw like a paper airplane. It said paper plane. And she said, oh, my gosh, that's that's the biggest one of all. I said, well, what, what does that mean? And she says, well, before my son died, he fell in love with a song called Paper Planes by a band <laughs> called MIA. I'd never heard of this. I've but, heard of it. Mm-hmm. That, okay. And that yeah. he liked it so much that when he was living in London at the time, he convinced his flatmates to do a dance, and it was the greatest song ever. So... Since then, they call it Devin's Dance. These guys still do that in his honor, and actually some of them cotton paper plane tattoos. So Uh when I think about that, it's like, that was really remarkable. But yet, even though I saw the way I got the information, and it wasn't good enough for me, which is kind of frustrating on one hand. It's like I want to hear some voice tell me what to say or have something be more vivid, but just not the way it works for me right now. Wow, that, that's because right now you're so grounded, I think. I think that's the way. Is you, You're still in that that earth plane, and you've got to move into that next level. Yeah, maybe that's it. That's know. incredible. What a great... That's a, <laughs> That's incredible, paper plane. Wow. You, you like that, huh? Yeah. You want to hear the... Um, I'm going to have to go shortly. You want to hear about the experiment that I did with my sister before? Oh, so yeah. I, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, yes. So, you know, I talked to her. I knew she was terminal with cancer. She knew that her time was limited. And I said, you know, I thought of an experiment we could do if you're interested. But the only reason for doing it is really to give other people hope to help them. And she said, sure, she'd love to do it. So I modeled it after the Houdini experiment. Now, the Houdini experiment, um, some accounts say that it actually succeeded because Arthur Ford, who was a famous medium in the 20th century, solved it. But then Mm -hmm. skeptics came out of the woodwork alleging fraud. So... But they had right. really no basis for alleging it. But if you read about it today, it'll say it's never been solved. Right. But the key thing there was that he told his wife what the what the clue was. So the allegations of fraud kind of centered around, well, the wife must have told Arthur Ford what it was, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, well, what's, how do you design a better um, experiment? And I thought, well, the, the problem with his was that any living person knew what it was. So if no living person knew what it was, they couldn't allege fraud, and they couldn't allege telepathy with a living person. So I asked my sister to write a message on a piece of paper, fold it, and put it in a sealed envelope, and that's what she did. 
And then after we got that, we waited until she had passed, and then we let a little, little time go by, and then we reached out to a number of mediums to see if they could get what that message was. And none of us knew. And I had engaged um, a Dr. Don Watson, who's a neuroscientist out of Kansas. He used to be a professor at the University of Kansas. He helped me with the, pro- with the process. And also a Tricia J. Robertson, who's with the Society of Psychical Research in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And so they both helped me, and... Um, you know, we reached out and we documented all this and without giving it away completely, because I think people will find the, the chapter intriguing to read. Mm-hmm. I would say that we felt it was a success, not necessarily verbatim, but the essence of her message we got through. And it was really interesting what we learned in the process and how we probably design something a little bit differently next time. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. So, that is a great uh, idea. So once again, uh, we're speaking with Mark Island. Uh, you can go to his website, markislandauthor.com, and uh, his books on there, his events, uh, his appearances are all on there. Um, what else is on there, Mark? Before you leave us, well, I've got, like I said, there's a there's clips from TV shows I've been on the Discovery Channel feature interviews with Bob Olson, who also lives there in Boston. I don't know if you know Bob Olson. He does Afterlife TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got uh, other recommended links and books. Uh, I've got links to my dad's website that I built to honor him, and it includes videos of his live demonstrations, including oh, cool. an appearance on the Steve Allen show in 1969 or 70. Oh, wow. And you could tell on there that Steve Allen's pretty well convinced. And if you know anything about him, he was a hardcore skeptic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty incredible. Um those are most of the main things, and then there's information on each of the books and links to retailers who carry the books. Okay, Mark, we want to thank you so much. You've certainly been an interesting guest. I do apologize for not being able to read your book before uh, we did have you on, but uh, I was just so intrigued by your story, and uh, I did want to speak to you about it anyway. So so thank you so not much a, for being here. Not a problem at all. Um, send me your email uh, address on, uh, on a Facebook message, and I'll send you a PDF of the first book. Oh, cool. Oh, Very cool. Awesome. All right, Mark, thank you. Have a good night, and God bless. Take care of you, too. Bye. Yeah. Bye, Mark. Thank you. Oh, uh, he was, was fabulous. Cool. Yeah. That, uh, anyway, yeah. So that was the doorbell, which means pizza from the dead is here. So That's right. we've got to wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry. I haven't had dinner yet. When are you not hungry? Ah, ha, ha. Ah. When I'm around you, huh? Yeah. No, but he was he was wonderful. He was uh, he was a great guest, and I am looking forward to um, you know getting his book and reading it. Well, send, really... him a, send him a message, and uh, you know he'll send you the PDF. Awesome, that so would be there great. You go. Can put it yep. in my little. Uh, oh wait a minute! I you guess. don't friend people. I forgot about that. Oh well, I'll have to friend him, won't I? <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, Ed and I actually have an event coming up. And wait a minute. Uh, for those who haven't seen our video uh, shows yet, uh, they're pretty good, Yeah. Yes, of course they are. Uh-huh. There's a question. And, uh, and, and where can they see them? If you would like to see our live Ghost Chronicles show, you can go to... they're on demand. Yes, they're on video on demand, www.eb as in boy, dot. O-R-G, and uh, hop on our website, go to Video On Demand, and look for Ghost Chronicles, and you can see our show. There you go. We got, there you I go. think, four of them now, or is the fifth one up yet? Five. We just did the fifth one. Is it up now? Yes. Yes, it's on Video On Demand. I've already put it up there. 
No, because the last time I looked, it was only four. So, oh, anyway. all right. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I'll make sure I do that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not a problem. Oh, one may be missing. So, Ann, thank you so much. Uh, he was a fascinating guest. Yes, he was. Yeah. Oh, and, and we have one thing. We're going to be at Bent- Bentford Hall. So if you've got tickets because it's sold out, uh, yes. we will be there in uh, wherever the hell a place it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's way out in western Mass- Massachusetts, way out near the border. border. Yeah. But uh, is it April 26th? I believe is that it the is. Date? I believe okay. it is. We'll be there. All right. So till next week, it's uh, time to say good night and God bless everyone. Yes, and thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Yep, bye now. Good night. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord. 